podcast. We are here with your hosts, Dave Reed, Ryan Wilkinson, and Joey Gallo. Welcome in to the NSFW Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Reed, joined by my co-hosts, Ryan Wilkinson and Joey Gallo. Hey, everyone. How's everybody doing? Love the excitement, guys. Uh, week nine is in the books, uh, and we are in that home stretch right now. We're getting closer to playoffs, and this is the point where each win just feels that uh, has so much more magnitude to it because it can be the win that gets you that much closer to playoffs or makes you feel like you need to start selling off and playing for next year. But we're here. Hopefully, arm you guys with all the information you need to make that final playoff push or maximize your assets if you're uh, selling out for next year. Um, but before we do, this past week, again, injuries, can uh, they just don't stop coming. Uh, some of them pretty significant, again, some of them long-lasting. But we also had some players coming back. But first, we'll get to the bad news. Daniel Jones, as if things weren't bad enough for the Giants already. Uh, he has a torn ACL and is going to be out for the year. Uh, Cam Akers tore his Achilles on his other leg after just coming back from it uh, last year. He's definitely after he honestly may never take a snap again uh, in the NFL field. Darren Waller, right before this game, hit the IR with his hamstring that we were talking about before, so he'll be out for another three games at the very least. Dallas Goddard uh, fractured his forearm. He's likely going to hit the IR. Jaron Hall, not that you were that excited about him, but someone you may have picked him up uh, at a, uh, on waivers and started him, like someone in our league, and he had a concussion early and was out of the game. But that opened up the door for Joshua Dobbs to get to come in and actually win the game, which I'm sure we'll get into. Jalen Hurts uh, hurt his knee a little bit. Uh, it's banged up. You feel like he's kind of been a little banged up all year so far, but this looks like it's just a bone bruise, uh, and he should be okay. He does have to buy this week to recover. Traylon Burks. Uh, Pretty nasty looking initially. He was carted off on Thursday night football, but it turns out it was a concussion. I believe he's still in the protocol. Um, so he's probably going to miss this week and potentially a couple more as this guy just cannot seem to get healthy. Speaking of people who cannot be healthy, Christian Watson. Uh, again, this time I think I was looking up. It was his chest, his back, and his head with a concussion. He did clear the concussion protocol in the game, um, and it does look like he is healthy to go for week 10. But this is kind of the, the thing with Christian Watson. You start him, he may not finish the game. So just keep that in mind. Josh Downs uh, was had a knee injury going into this week, and it flared up pretty early in the game. Uh, he ended up not being able to finish, and he did not practice today on Wednesday. Jamar Chase uh, went for a pretty um, massive jump ball uh, down the field and landed on his back, and it looked pretty rough. Um, he's day-to-day, and he also did not practice Wednesday, so keep an eye on that. And TJ Hawkinson uh, had some rib injuries. Uh, no word on the severity of it yet. It's likely going to be a pain tolerance thing, but he was limited on Wednesday. But as far as the good news, you got David Montgomery coming back this week. Devon Achan might be coming back after the bye next week. Justin Jefferson's uh, window opened up and he started practicing today. So he's not going to play likely week 10, but you might be able to see him in the week 11. Kyler Mar- Murray is starting this week. Kyron Williams is trending like he'll be back after the bye. Khalil Herbert is coming back and should be playing this week, which will muddy the waters in Chicago. And Matthew Stafford, they are saying he's hopeful he'll come back after the bye this week, but they did sign Carson Wentz. He's back. But after that rundown, what are some of the things that stick out to you guys? 
Yeah, I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. You know, Daniel Jones, obviously uh, one of the two big injuries. In terms of the Giants, probably not the worst thing. The season was trending towards over anyways. So now you can kind of see if you found a diamond in the rough. Make, us, make us feel better. Please <laughs> yeah. make us feel better. Yeah, dude, definitely a diamond in the rough, I'm sure. <laughs> Hopefully you found a diamond in the rough with DeVito. But uh, regardless, you'll lose some games and uh, get a better pick. And really, the season was basically over anyways. And then Cam Akers, you got to feel bad for him. Um, you know, out again for the year. Uh, on the flip side, um, you know, Madison now maybe taking back his full workload, so maybe trending up there. Uh, I think in terms of the guys coming back that you mentioned, it's interesting looking at the running backs. I feel like there's a lot that can happen. You have David Montgomery coming back. Gibbs has looked great. Does he retain a larger role now? A-Chan's coming back. Moser has been doing great. Uh, you know, Kyron Williams is coming back. Henderson's been doing pretty well. Herbert's coming back, but Foreman's been doing well. You know, it'll be interesting to see if any of the guys that covered for them while they were out actually retain a larger role going forward. Uh, so there's a lot up in the air there. And then Stafford, you know, hopefully he comes back. If you have Cup or Puka, you definitely want him back because last week was a disaster. <laughs> uh, but I think the Carson Wentz signing helps regardless. And if Wentz is the guy... Uh, both of those guys should still be startable. So um, a lot going on. Yeah, he's certainly an upgrade from Brett Rippon. Uh, if in the instance that Stafford is uh, doesn't get back from the thumb injury or gets injured again, right? Like as somebody who's heavily invested in both of those guys, I, I, I don't, I definitely don't want Brett Rippon to start another no. game. I, I think no. he was already. I think he was released actually. Yeah, so they, he they, will not be starting did. another they, game. Yeah, they dropped him, so you don't they, have to worry about they that. They saw. They saw all they needed to see with that. <laughs> and yet, Devito's the one who has a job still. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's unbelievable. But I mean, I agree. Like right, you said it. I was going to say the same thing. It's 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 great news for the Giants. Great news for Giants fans. In that it was going to it was likely a lost season anyway. Now it's definitely a lost season. I, I almost kind of hope that. Uh, Danny DeVito is the quarterback the rest of the way because yeah. you know, the last thing I want is Tyrod Taylor, who actually looked pretty good, to get back from his injury, you know, week 14 or 15 and win two or three games coming down the stretch and move us from the two or the three pick to the five or six pick. That would be a catastrophe. So let just let DeVito take us home. And I feel like they're, they're leaning into that. The fact that they're like, all right, this scene's lost. We're naming DeVito the starter, and that, I think, tells everything. We are taking. We are not trying to win at all. Um, yeah. And it's a – I mean, not that I like tanking, especially as a Giants fan, but it's a, it's a good class to tank on it because the, there's a lot of good offensive talent in this uh, draft class, which we need. Yeah, the top three, the top three picks oh, like, yeah. are like, likely to be um, – Oh, I wouldn't say slam. Yeah, I mean maybe slam dunks, right? I call like, them slam dunks. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 less confident about Drake May, but he's Marvin getting hyped to maybe go over Caleb. I don't think it'll happen in the end, but like it's very close between the yeah. two. Yeah, no, I mean I'd be perfectly happy with that with either of the three. Like I don't want to between the two quarterbacks, whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. there's there's been enough hits and misses with top three quarterbacks, uh, and if it just so happens that you know we, we were to land three and get Marvin Harrison Jr., that would be great. Pretty great as well. So, yeah. 
just got to get up there. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, hopefully we uh, don't screw this up. It's hard to get the first pick. Uh, I don't think we ever do. Even when we got Eli, I think we had a moment that we had to trade up uh, and get him um, from the Chargers. Well, or trade Phillip Rivers, I should say, to get him. Um, but anyway, moving forward to some other positive moves. We did, I do want to give props to Joey Gallo, who ran away with last week's DK lineup challenge, thanks to his Cowboys triple stack that he even called out during the lineup uh, build. We'll get into those players a little bit more later. But I do want to say all three of us did protect our turf against Schluter, so I feel pretty good about the pod right there. It's not easy beating us, so. No. I'm two for two on second place. So, you know, one, one of these days. One of these days. But it's all right. I, uh, I just edged out Schluter uh, narrowly. My, my, I went heavy on running backs, and that was not a good call. But uh, it's all right. But other than that, any other uh, keynotes? Uh, there's a lot of positives this past week. I know, again, we're going to get into a lot of them in our weekly awards. But any other things you guys want to call out? Not really. I think we're going to get into a lot of it. Yeah, you know, looking at my notes, I, I don't think there's much that's that we're not going to get into with the the awards. So, yeah, yeah, we do cover uh, cover a lot there. So that's a good way we'll jump into it. And honestly, there's only one way to to start this off with the the biggest performance of the week. So, Ryan, I believe that's the guy you're going to give the Smash Williams Award to. Yeah, so someone obviously had to give the Smash Williams Award to C.J. Stroud. Uh, five touchdowns, 470 yards, 53 fantasy points. Uh, no one else was really even close. I know we're going to talk about a couple other quarterbacks uh, for this award. Dak was second for the week with 33 fantasy points. So Stroud had 20 more fantasy points than the second best guy anyone in your league could have started, which is just pretty crazy. Uh, if you had him, you won. And we basically saw that play out in our league. You know, Adam's team really stunk outside of Stroud. His other nine guys barely scored more than Stroud combined, yet he still won by four points because 53 points is just an insane week. Uh, 470 yards also set the rookie record for passing yards in a game. He looks great. Uh, the one question I do want to throw out there to you guys is where do you rank him in your opinion, in terms of like a dynasty asset, is he already trending towards the Allen Hurts Mahomes tier? And before you answer, one quick point: he had less than twenty fantasy points the prior three weeks. He's really not a rushing QB. He usually averages, you know, like ten rushing yards a game. So you have to rely on him as a pocket passer, which is usually a little less valuable for fantasy purposes. So you know, where are you guys on him right now after that performance? Yeah. So what I would say is uh I would slot him just above Trevor Lawrence if we're being like <laughs> I agree with that. If we're being that's totally that's, honest, that's that's, that's, that's that's exactly what I was gonna say too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think that's right where he goes, right? Like yeah. there's there's the top tier. He's not he hasn't cracked them yet. And and then tier two is kind of like the Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson tier. And then I think I'd probably slot him in right after that. Yeah. You could you could make the case for Tua, but the but the injury concerns are still a little much for me. So I think you probably he probably slides up right there to like QB five or uh, nah, more like six or seven overall. Yeah, I, I was saying I'd probably put him in right now in the like seven to nine range, give or take with players. But again, like I th- I think he's like ahead of Lawrence. He does. 
I mean, it's crazy to say he doesn't know. He clearly has the upside after this week, and it, like he's still in his rookie year being a pocket passer. But being a pocket passer, you do have a little bit lower floor that some of the rushing quarterbacks have um, that naturally come with that game. But he's doing things you've nev- literally never seen rookies do this. This is, I think, the most fantasy points ever scored by a rookie. I think it's the most yards ever passed by a rookie. Like He is... And he won a game. Like the other thing that goes unnoticed, what he had 47 seconds to go down the field and score a touchdown. He had to score a touchdown and he did that to win the game. So this guy is a bona fide star. Uh, yeah. yeah he is, we're going to be saying his name a lot over the next decade, too. So, like, if you have him, you got him rookie draft potentially, like in ours, the fourth overall pick. He was usually the third quarterback coming off the board then. That was a steal. Guy's a bona fide star. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's looked incredible. So it'll be fun to watch him over the next couple of years. But Dave, you had the uh, second best performance. I did. I did. And uh, I mean, you diminished it a little bit saying that. Mine's a little bit of a combo because these guys, to me, they're very much tethered together. Um, and they're the reason why they're both doing well. But it's Dak Prescott, but also CD, uh, CD Lamb. There's also one more that Joey's going to get into later that's kind of a, a third beneficiary. But Dak right now really is the uh, answer because, uh, because there's been an offensive change there. When we were coming into the season, we thought they were going to be a run-first team. And guess what? They can't really run the ball. Uh, but the last two games coming out of the bye – uh, this team realized that their best offensive weapon was CD by a like large margin. And they have come out making sure he's the focal point of uh, the offense going forward. And, and as such, Dak is uh, benefiting from that offensive scheme where they're passing a lot more. And he was a QB2 this past week. And he was a QB3 the, la- uh, the week before. And he scored 33 uh, or points or more in both weeks. He also threw for at least 300 yards and three touchdowns both weeks. And this past week, he threw for 374 yards. And I don't see this ending anytime soon because they got a juicy schedule the rest of the year. This week, they got the Giants, then the Panthers, then the Commanders, then the Seahawks. Then the Eagles, whose secondary has been beat up, and the Bills, whose secondary has been beat up, and the Dolphins and the Lions, who you throw all over. Like that—that that is that wasn't like picking and choose. That is literally their entire schedule <laughs> through the championship game. Like they are going to smash the rest of the year. Um, and again, this all started when they decided they needed to run the offense through Lamb. And Lamb is an absolute alpha top five wide receiver in the NFL, and he's finally getting the elite targets uh, like the, the other top five wide receivers were. This past week, he received 16 targets, went 11 for 191 yards as the wide receiver three. And the week before that, he had 14 targets and went 12 for 158 and two touchdowns at the wide receiver one. Both these guys probably led you to W, and it's not going to stop anytime soon. Yeah, you know, I think that the more competitive the game is almost, the more confidence I have in Dak and CD. And, you know, like if you kind of think about like this past week, it was it was close game, competitive game with Philadelphia. So, you know, one, there's, there's points being scored against the Dallas defense. Two, I mean, not a ton, but enough. Like they were playing catch up in that second half. And two, you know, like they're, like you said, they've just realized that their best offense is passing the ball to CD and he's getting, you know, hyper target, hyper target. Yeah. (laughs) Hyper target. He's huge. He lines up in the slot. He's they, there were, there was one time last week where he lined up in the back, out of the backfield with Dak and ran like that uh, V shaped uh, running back type route where it kind of like goes out 
to the right and then cuts across the middle left and gain like 15 yards on that. So it was just, you know, they're using him in creative ways and uh, he's huge. He always comes down with the ball. So. You know, I love it because he's on my team. Yeah. <laughs> but Joe, why don't you get, uh, tell us who you're giving this smash Williams award to. Yeah. So I'm giving the award to Joe Burrow this week and it's not because he, uh, you know, truly, truly smashed on the week. I think he was only maybe the sixth or seventh uh, scorer overall, maybe a little bit lower than that. I think he had 26 fantasy points overall. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just because I feel like at this point we can 100% say that he's recovered from the calf injury. He's back to playing at an elite level. It's back to, you know, like being able to really, truly enjoy watching him, watching him, uh, play, you know, like that game against Buffalo was was honestly like a, a, a delight for me. Felt like I was watching him these last pa- these past few years in the playoffs. Um, most importantly, too, well, maybe not most importantly, but most importantly to me in terms of indication that he's recovered from the injury. Uh, he's moving around a ton in the pocket. Last week, six carries for forty three yards. This week, moving around the pocket as well. There were a couple times where he took off. Um, so, you know, I think that, uh, if you kind of look the last two weeks, he's thrown four or five touchdown passes this past week, he threw for 350 yards against a bill's defense. That's a little bit concerning. Um, you know, I think that the period of time where, uh, there might've been concern about burrow from a dynasty standpoint, if there was like maybe a hair of a buy low or a buy reduced window on him. In Dynasty, that's definitely, I would say, closed now. He seems to be uh, back to his his form, and I think that will mean, uh, you know, I mean, you can see, right? Like, T. Higgins is back to looking uh, pretty, pretty good as well. You know, I think that some of the shit that he was getting earlier this season um, on the pod and in the media and everywhere uh, – Partially because he was injured, but also, you know, I think the fact that he had an injured quarterback who wasn't throwing good balls to anybody contributed as well. So I think the whole offense looks good and, uh, yeah, should be wheels up from here, provided he can stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a lot on some of our podcasts. You know, would he come back fully healthy from the bye? That was really the only concern in terms of this year. You weren't really worried long term, but you were a little worried if if he'd have to kind of play injured all year but like you said he looks like he's fully healthy and fully back to himself and uh back to that top tier in terms of fantasy scoring yeah and like as you mentioned joe too he's he's moving around and running and i'm i'm almost like still not myself mentally comfortable with him running yet like he yeah. runs and i'm just like oh, is he okay and then he just pops up i'm like okay i forgot that he can, like he can move a little bit uh so it is good to see like he 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 has full confidence in his legs yeah, but with that, we're going to move to the He's All That Awards. And, uh, Joe, I'm going to have you kick it off and uh, complete the, the Cowboys stack, triple stack that you had. Yeah, so I'll jump in. So for me, He's All That, I'm go- I'm going. I'm giving it to Jake Ferguson. Um, maybe not a stud, but I think he's the most productive fantasy option in the Dallas offense outside of C.D. Lamb. Uh, Fergie had 10 targets this past week. Um, has clearly distanced himself from the other tight ends on the roster. I mean, you see Luke Schoonmaker does get a target here or there, but um, 
Ferguson is clearly uh, a go-to target for Dak Prescott. And like Dave mentioned, he has a decent schedule the rest of the way into the fantasy playoffs. And I think that he's somebody who, you know, you probably drafted in the last or second to last or third to last round of your uh, fantasy drafts. And he's tight end 12 right now, I believe, on the season uh, with uh, trending upwards there. So overall, I, I'm I'm giving my solid depth piece. He's all that award this week to Jake Ferguson because uh at, at a position, and I'm actually going to talk about a couple tight ends this week. You guys will see, <laughs> but this is the first one I'm mentioning. I got one as well. There's a theme. There's ca- there's tight ends, and yeah. there are a lot of Cowboys peppered him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you could do a lot worse at the tight end position. I think, honestly, he's about as locked and loaded as anybody right now for the foreseeable future. Yeah, uh, I love it. He was a sleeper going into the year, and he's really starting to show up. Uh, I'll jump in because mine, uh, he's all that award, is also pass catcher from a Smash Williams award winner this week. Uh, and that is the wide receiver one of the week, uh, Tank Dell. Obviously, you heard Ryan talk about CJ Stroud's day, and you knew that there had to be a massive day from one, two, or maybe even three of his receivers. And you're right, uh, but none more than uh, the third round wide receiver that CJ Stroud himself told the organiz- organization to go get. Uh, Tank Dell went for six for 114 and two scores on 11 targets. And he already flashed earlier this year, uh, but there's obviously clear chemistry between him and Stroud. And you expect that only to continue to grow over the second half and going into uh, the rest of their careers. And he is a tiny dude. He's only 5'10", 165 pounds, uh, which you typically view as someone who'd be in the slot uh, type of profile. But this guy's playing on the outside. And he's continually, continually winning on these big boy routes. Uh, and he's really kind of debunking the theory that outside receivers have to be these big body guys. Uh, and the NFL has certainly been changing. These smaller skilled players have been continually finding more and more success. And Tank is just going to be adding to that list of guys who are really, really showing up. Uh, I think you're finding a, a budding star in Tank Dell there. Yeah, and he's paired – with Stroud. So, you know, someone has to catch some of that 470 yards and five touchdowns. And if Tank Dell is going to be that guy and they're going to be paired together for the foreseeable future, uh, he definitely could be a bona fide wide receiver one going forward here. The size is what concerns me. That's why I haven't been fully, fully in. Uh, I mean, I have him in a couple spots. I like him a lot. I'm very high. I mean, I'm, I even sent an offer to try and acquire him in our league this week, but fact is you know like he's been a little boomer bust this year and he's very very tiny so i don't know i don't know what the what the he was hurt earlier but yeah so like what the ceiling is for for him if i'm trying to think of like a comp to other similar small wide receivers that have had you know like maybe like a brandon cooks type who is like you know, on the shorter end and still plays outside receiver. It just based on speed and strength, but yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, the game's changed. You got guys like Jordan Addison too, but I, I agree. Yeah. That's why I don't really have him anywhere as the size, but he's, I don't know. I'm, I've, I've some regrets there. I wish I had a couple shares. Yeah. I'm certainly, uh, I'm certainly intrigued. Yeah. They do also have Nico Collins, who is a young wide receiver as well. So 
maybe that holds Tank Dell back a little bit from being that true wide receiver one. Yeah, and uh, Nico's got a little bit more of a big body, so maybe they're like maybe they're a good complement for each other. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'll jump in. So I gave my He's All That award to Rashad White. And a little similar to Joe, he may not be considered a stud in real life football, but we are a fantasy football podcast. So he finished with 73 rushing yards and two touchdowns. He also added 46 yards on four catches. He had 26 fantasy points in week nine, which actually made him the RB1 on the week. And he wasn't drafted as an RB1. He's likely your RB2, maybe even an RB3 for some. He's been pretty consistent, averaging 12 points per game. And the last three weeks, he's been a top 15 running back option. The best part, which is almost kind of rare to find today, is that he really doesn't have any competition. Edmonds and Tucker have barely touched the ball. uh, And that's getting harder and harder to find. So even just having a true three down workload is, is pretty valuable nowadays. So you're likely really happy with that from someone you drafted as more of a solid RB two flex piece. So I'm giving him my, he's all that award. someone who you, you did draft as that flex piece or depth piece, but he's turning out to be kind of a stud for fantasy purposes. Yeah. Not always the best on the ground, but you can be confident that he's going to get volume and that he's going to get looks in the passing game. And those are the, the two keys to success. And playing the Texans if you're running back too. Yeah. That's who he was playing. You start your running backs against the Texans. They are atrocious. But, yeah, I mean, you knew he was – that's why he the process would have worked with him. There's no competition there. He's the only running back getting work there. So it's, it's harder and harder to find uh, – that type of workload, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later on a couple other players that I know myself will be talking to. But I also move to our next section of the Doug Flutie Hill Mary Award. I'll jump in because I had Rashad White's teammate here. Uh, so this had been a sleeper tight end option coming into the year, but he did show some flashes last year, and that's Kate Auden. Um, so like, if you were starting him this week, you weren't really expecting much because he didn't hasn't had a finish better than the tight end 13 on the year, which is why the tight end three this week came as such a pleasant surprise if you did start him. Uh, I am now cautiously eyeing him as a young tight end who actually might become a back-end tiny, tight end one in Dynasty. Uh, he's on the field literally all the time. He This season, he's never dropped below 90% in any game, and this past week he was at 100% of snaps. Sometimes this is often because they want the tight end to block. Uh, but that's not the case with Auden. He runs routes on over 80% of the pass attempts, including 100% of pass attempts these past two weeks. He is now also earning targets on those routes, with his targets over the last three weeks being six, six, and nine this past week. Uh, he's becoming more integral in this offense, and uh, he may have been a dark throw this past week in week nine, but I actually expect to see a lot more of him going forward to build upon this six for 70 and two touchdown performance. Yeah, yeah. I like what I see from Kate Outen as well, to be totally honest, as a Mike Evans owner looking for more from Mike Evans. Um, yeah, he's uh, and and he was actually like uh, a serviceable option last year in the yeah. Tom Brady Bucks offense as well. So it's not like totally that he's totally coming out of uh, out of nowhere, but it's uh, it's he does look really good. Yeah, and I feel like it was a big week in general for tight ends, which I know Joe kind of mentioned. And 
I believe we're all actually going with a title this category. <laughs> in this category. Um, so that ends our Hail Mary throw. So. <laughs> yeah. So I'll jump right in. I actually gave the award to Taysom Hill, who we haven't really talked about that much, but he has back-to-back 22-point fantasy games. Uh, he rushed for 52 yards, caught four passes for 13 yards and a touchdown, and completed a pass for a touchdown. He's just always been this fun gadget player that's all over the field and you know used in so many different ways and to have that guy you know in your tight end slot can be extremely valuable so uh, kind of a Hail Mary if you started him and you know you got 22 fantasy points out of him he's also classified as a quarterback so even just having him as a, a depth piece to potentially throw in as a quarterback on a bye week or something like that is is also valuable so uh, he was drafted pretty late and started out slow this season, only averaging like three points a game. But the last four games, he's averaging 18 points a game. So he's been a great dart throw the last few weeks and definitely helped you win week nine if you took the chance and started him. Yeah, and you know, we're going to talk a little bit later about how um, Alvin Kamara was one of my bigger letdowns of the week. And I can't help but to think that the more involved Taysom Hill gets in the passing game, in the rushing game, you know, like that's just coming out of Kamara's volume. Like when Kamara was first activated from suspension, Taysom Hill wasn't as involved, and you're seeing Kamara get more targets, I think. I mean, not that he's not getting targeted now. This was one bad, one down week. But, you know, Taysom Hill is becoming more and more of a focal point of the offense as time goes on. Yeah, I mean, he's always been a gadgety player, but his snap count is like over 50% or around 50% most of these games now. And then... The last two weeks, he had nine rushes two weeks ago and 11 rushes this past week. So he's more involved, but like, had, has anyone had a weirder offensive like career than Taysom Hill? He's like played quarterbacks, played running backs, played tight end. He's 33 years old and he's still breaking out as this gadget player. It's just an absolute crazy career. And he, I, I forgot, like, did he even play football like coming into the NFL? Like, he's just such a weird career, but he's useful yeah, now. Yeah, I think he played quarterback in college i want to say tcu maybe somebody check that yeah we gotta check his career because it's it's so bizarre i want to say tcu just a guess um yeah while you're looking that up i'm gonna jump in with my tight end uh hail mary throw of the week byu oh byu no and he looks like a byu guy yeah not surprised Taysom is a name (laughs) (laughs) uh john smith for me tight end 10 on the season i mean Tight end, tight end position is kind of a joke, but uh, <laughs> yeah. John Smith being the tight end 10 on the season is just remarkable. Two spots higher than uh, Jake Ferguson, who we were just talking about. And it's pretty unbelievable when you consider that he's probably not even the most talented tight end on his roster. Uh, but he has been incredibly consistent throughout the whole season. Um, and this past week had his biggest output yet. Five catches on six targets, 100 yards, all kind of capped off by that big 60-yard catch-and-run touchdown. Um, he was fast, though. That was, that was yeah, nice I mean, he's a lumbering guy, but he's he's fast. He's not old, right? He's, he's in his upper. He had 28 years old. Um, you know, I never, per- I never personally feel great starting any uh, Atlanta Falcon offensive player, and that, that literally goes for – Everyone from B. John Robinson to Drake, like you, you just never know what what you're going to get from that offense. Um, and yet, you know, if you threw the dart with him this week, 
23 points from your tight end position. You, or your flex. Yeah, you, or your flex. <laughs> you probably uh, you probably went a long way towards winning you the week. So uh, definitely a little bit of a Hail Mary play, but he keeps delivering. It's hard to even really call it a Hail Mary when he's the – we need a top 10 tight end on the season. That's the craziest part, right? You you touched on it, but he's almost the most consistent fantasy starter on that team, which is just crazy because, like you said, he's supposed to be the number two tight end on his own team, yet he's consistently putting up at least startable fantasy numbers. Uh, I don't think he was even drafted in our league. And, I, you know, I think we have about- yeah, we have a deep dynasty you know, <laughs> league, and he was on waivers to start the season. Uh, so yeah, just crazy what's going on there. You know why though? It's, it's because he is the one player that is not expected to put up fantasy points, and Arthur Smith hates fantasy players, so he's doing this on purpose to screw. He's like, oh, who's the one guy no, who's not being started? Probably John o. Smith. Let's like let's do the jet sweep on the one uh, <laughs> John o. instead of giving the ball to John. Like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, uh, it really is crazy. Let's keep the tight end train, uh, train going here with uh, Joey's Ferrari Nachilla Park Award. Yeah. Um, so I'm going with Cole Komet here. Um, not much more to say other than anybody who can put up six for 55 and two touchdowns with Tyson Bajan throwing the ball is uh, definitely getting the tip of the hat for me in terms of overcoming a little bit of adversity for the week. Um He's actually looked pretty good the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, 10 catches on 10 targets last week for 79 yards. Tight end five on the season, although some of that was with Justin Fields. He had a goose egg three weeks ago, but um, the last two weeks, I think you have to be pleasantly surprised that he's been able to still you know, continue to produce, despite the fact that Chicago's had some uh, unreliability. Uh, lack of reliability at their quarterback position. Uh, it seems like this will be the last week. Tomorrow night will be the last game that he'll have to play with Bajan. I think Fields is close to coming back. He's practicing, but they ruled him out for tomorrow. Um, and Carolina stinks, so he'll, <laughs> he's, he'll probably put up decent numbers again tomorrow. So uh, overall, circumstances are gross, but he's getting it done. Bajan or Bajan or whatever you got to call the guy. He loved, He just loves commit. Like that's like yeah. the number one receiver. Well, I think I think like terrible QBs, or I don't want to say terrible, but like uh, inexperienced backup third string QBs that just like are kind of a little bit frazzled. They just the tight end is the security blanket. So especially I feel like if they rush a bit, which you know because it seems like when they roll out, the tight end is almost always open on the shorter throws because they're like yeah. the wide receivers are already down the field if they're rolling yeah. out since the play's yeah. gone on one. But tight ends are closer and they're like, yeah, that's my guy. <laughs> right in front of my face, four yards away. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there too because they're kind of like the Giants. Like they could bring fields back and then win a couple games, but it's really kind of a throwaway season at this point anyways so you know you wonder if they you need to win a at least one more with him but yeah i was thinking about this because i was scheming giants potential avenues to the number one pick i think that chicago is gonna have to do a little more diligence the rest of this year to see exactly what they have in fields to determine yeah. if yeah. they actually want to move on from him or draft another quarterback or not so i i I kind of get the feeling that they're going to – and also they have Carolina's pick. And, yep. again, Carolina 
absolutely fucking stinks. So they could they could see what they have in field to win a couple games. I don't think Carol Carolina's maybe winning one more game. I think they're like almost definitely going to finish with the worst record, especially now that Kyler's back. So I think it'll be, you know, Chicago with a number one via Carolina, and then we'll see what happens from there. It's a great deal for the Bears. I can't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we snagged all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's uh, let's move it down to a. Uh, the, I think Ryan's award was the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Yeah, uh, right now. unexpectedly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I had to give Dobbs an award somewhere, and you know, you talk about overcoming a, a bad situation. He was literally on the Vikings for five days. Didn't even know his teammates' names. Uh, just a really cool, amazing story. It's why we love sports. He wasn't expected to play. Injury happens. He goes in, uh, becomes a starting quarterback, and leads the team to a comeback victory. So it was awesome to watch. And on the fantasy side of things, he put up 28 fantasy points, you know, not starting and being on the team for five days. Uh, talk about a guy that no one was talking about before the season and now is like, purely on the fantasy radar uh it's pretty interesting and you know he's gonna get justin jefferson back um i believe they just named him the starter and the future looks pretty bright for him so uh i don't know how you could be rooting against this guy and it'll be interesting to see how he does on the vikings now he's gonna get paid i'll tell you that much like he's just bouncing around and coming into games with not knowing anything about the offense and winning or at least being respectable in the games and you kind of cheer for him for that because, yeah, the, the Cardinals uh, store didn't have his jersey when he was the starting quarterback, and now he's on a different team and winning games is pretty nuts. He also yeah. beat Arthur Smith, which I think we're all happy about. Yeah, it's been fun to see the whole fantasy community just kind of rally behind anyone who beats the Falcons. Yeah. <laughs> and so Josh Dobbs has just kind of been like the savior this past week for leading that epic comeback against the Falcons and hopefully – bringing Arthur Smith one loss closer to his termination. Oh, man. Be so nice. Uh, but I'll jump in uh, with my Ferrari and a Chandler Park Award, and I'm going with Gus Edwards because he had five carries. Five. 18% of snaps. And that turned into 52 yards and two touchdowns as the RB7 finish. Uh, and he was definitely started in most leagues this week because he has been dominating touches and snaps the previous five weeks, including a three-touchdown week last week against the Giants. But against the Seahawks, he was uh, the RB3 on his own team. He played behind Justice Hill, who had 63% of snaps and 13 rushes, and the rookie sensation that everyone's picking up this week, Keaton Mitchell, with who also had 18% of snaps, but he had n- more touches with nine rushes and one catch. Gus's usage level would typically spell disaster for fantasy managers, but he somehow came through with a big game, but it is a mirage. If you own Gus, you got lucky that he didn't goose you, let alone potentially won the week for you. But you cannot start him with confidence this week with Mitchell now emerging and that uh, level of usage. Personally, I'd be trying to sell high, but if you're not trying to sell him, I'd bench him and just see what happens this week before I actually throw him back in your starting lineup. But... This past week, despite the touches, he got it done. Yeah, it's interesting to see what's going on there now. I, th- I think they even came out and said that it's going to be a three-man rotation going forward. So really starting any of them going forward is going to be tough. You, any one of them could goose you or go off for 20 points. You really have no idea what's going to happen. 
Yep. You're almost better off. If you have to start somebody, you probably, you probably start Gus because, you know, in a pinch, maybe they go with the guy that's been on the roster the longest and that they have the most faith in. But, uh, you know, I don't hate the idea of stashing Keaton Mitchell and just kind of hoping that maybe he just continues to ascend and distance himself from the other two. It's unlikely, but I think, like you said, right, it's just a backfield that you're not going to be able to predict the rest of the way. Yeah. You, you, Mitchell maybe can have, because he's a speedster, maybe he has that HN type of uh, breakaway uh, games. Do you want to correct? It was the Seahawks last week, not the Giants. But, yeah, uh, I... It's definitely interesting what's going on there. And I, I guess I'll jump in to uh, the next work because my, my award for the 28-3 award also goes to another running back who is seemingly losing some of his uh, snap percentages there. And that's Ken Walker or Kenneth Walker, however he likes to go by. Uh, coming in this year, I was down big time on Kenneth Walker as I thought Zach Charbonnet was going to emerge and steal touches. And over the first seven weeks, boy, did it look like I took a massive L on that. But the last two weeks, the fears that I had are starting to somewhat come to fruition for Walker as he's had back-to-back bad games. And last week, he only rushed for nine times, which yielded 16 yards, and he added one catch for one yard. I'll do that quick fantasy math for you. That is 2.2 points. Uh, That is the RB52 finish this past week. Uh, And for the second straight week, he's played less snaps than Charbonnet. Uh, Walker has been getting more touches than Charbonnet, and he did again this uh, past week, and Charbonnet has not been having great lines himself. But the team certainly likes Charbonnet and wants to get him on the field more and more, and that's only going to have a negative impact on Walker, who typically feasts on larger workloads. Uh, I will say the Ravens this past week are, were definitely a tough matchup, so I wouldn't expect uh, this type, this low level of an output going forward. But the signs are there that Walker may uh, not experience the same fantasy success that he's uh, had to start the season. Where are you guys at on Walker? I'm. I think now's the point in the season where, like you said, the fears that we had in the off season and worries about. Charbonnet, it, it, it kind of makes sense, right? Like early on in the year, they would ease Charbonnet in, so Walker would get more volume and more snap percentage. And uh, I mean, the fact that they were getting boat raced in this this yeah, past week's help. game didn't doesn't really help him much. I think that contributed more than anything to his horrific output. I I probably would still rather have Walker than Charbonnet the rest of the way because I think he's still the the one A. Uh, but I don't know that either of the two of them are going to reach their full potential while the other is healthy. Yeah, I mean, Charbonnet hasn't really done anything either. But like you said, the last two weeks, he's been over 50% snap percentage. So it's definitely a little concerning if you're a Walker owner. And, you know, kind of like we talked about with the Ravens, you, you just hope it doesn't get into a situation where you, you're not sure which one to start as they start sharing more and more work. But I think I'd go with Joe and probably for the rest of this year you're probably better off with walker yeah and this this isn't a uh, go get charbonnet type of uh uh you know signage on me it's more saying that charbonnet is going to have a negative impact on walker which is what we're seeing but i agree i don't i haven't i'm not excited to start charbonnet if i own him right now because he hasn't produced himself but speaking of another running back joe why don't you tell us who your 28 to 3 award goes to yeah, so I mentioned this earlier. For me, it's going to be Alvin Kamara um, facing the Bears at home. 
I think all four of us had us had him in our yeah. DFS lineups. The three of us and Schluter seemed like a smash play. Expectations were high, and his performance was a huge letdown. Only nine rushes for twenty six yards. Only five targets, four receptions for forty four yards. No scores. Um, yeah, and I mean, it bears repeating. It's not uh, a, a coincidence that we talked earlier about. Taysom Hill having back-to-back 22-point fantasy weeks. Um, although Kamara last week, I think, scored two touchdowns, so he also put up pretty big numbers. I I, I don't know for sure that um, the more they utilize Hill, it's not going to eat into uh, Kamara's workload. And nine carries is just not – it's not what you want to see from your RB1 – in a game, only 50% of snaps. This is lowest snap percentage of the, of the season since uh, coming back from suspension. So maybe it was just an off week. Um, you know, he was averaging about 20 carries over the, over the four games prior to that. And again, maybe this is just an overreaction for me, right? Like going into this week, you probably thought he was like maybe the number two or number three running back rest of the season. I don't know that that changes with this one game, but it's a little disappointing. You expected more against Chicago. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it really does go back to Hill because Hill stole 11 rushes for 52 yards. So if you add that to Kamara's output, you're, we're probably not talking about him here. So it'll be interesting to see how they use Hill going forward and if he continues to eat into Kamara's work. Uh, but another sort of top guy that I'm going to mention here, and I definitely need to uh, say that I'm not down on this guy. And if you have him, you're happy. He's a, a dynasty wide receiver one. But in terms of week nine, I gave the 28 to three letdown award to Jamar Chase. You know, we talked earlier about Joe Burrow having a big week and getting the Smash Williams award. You would expect if, he, you know, Burrow's having a week with 348 yards and two touchdowns that his wide receiver one would finish with more than four catches for 41 yards. So he was the wide receiver 44 on the week. He has now had three out of eight weeks with less than seven, seven fantasy points. And, you know, if you exclude week five, when he went off for 46 fantasy points, it's been a decently disappointing year for chase owners. So uh, just something to kind of monitor going forward again, you know, Huge dynasty asset. You're not worried for the long term. But in terms of this year, uh, it's been a little up and down. And now he's dealing with a back injury, as Dave mentioned. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, and hopefully with Burrow fully back to healthy, Chase's uh, production will start to uptick. Yeah, I agree. It's been disappointing, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, just one of the many factors or the many contributing factors to my team's um, below average performance this season. But... Um, no, there's not really a but. What I was going to say was going into the week, um, I was reading statistics about how uh, Buffalo is one of the worst teams, worst defenses in the league at defending the opposition's number one wide receiver uh, before the game started, looking at like going through action, trying to decide like which props to take, seeing guys that I follow on action, taking him like on kind of like the pyramid uh, for yardage, over 80, over 90, over 100, over 110. Um, and he just completely fell flat. So not surprised to see him here. Uh, although look, the team played well, I was tooting, uh, T Higgins horn earlier in the pod. And I think that, uh, look, T Higgins is really fucking good too. So sometimes he, 
he was getting a lot of the targets, especially mm-hmm. after Chase went down on his back. I think like kind of. I mean, granted that was in the second half, but you saw you saw Higgins was was pretty involved. Um, it just happens. Uh, it's not. It wasn't a great week. Like like you said, not really concerned for the long run, but it hasn't been. between the Burrow injury, the couple down games he's had, now the injury, it hasn't been a great season, I would say, for Chase. Yeah, and I'd have to go back and look, but it feels like there hasn't been a game where both Chase and Higgins have had a good game. It's so far it's been one or the other. And that's not something I expect to be the case always, because Burrow can certainly make sure both wide receivers get theirs. But so far this year, it's it kind of ping pong. If one does good, the other one is like non-existence and vice versa. So yeah, unfortunate, but again, I'm not concerned long-term. And yeah, and especially because uh, it's, it's, it's like exceedingly unlikely that T Higgins will be on, like, oh, yeah. on the team he's, next he's, year. So I think it's pretty likely. Almost guaranteed. He's it's almost yeah. guaranteed he's gone yeah. now, which was crazy to think like six months ago. It seemed like, they were definitely yeah. trying to bring Well, they would have to do some like salary cap gymnastics too. And it's just, I don't know that it's even going to be a realistic possibility, even if they wanted to, given yeah. how much they're paying some of the other guys. Exactly. Which, you know, maybe the Giants get some uh, I know. Higgins with Caleb Williams. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, but uh, I do want to mention, uh, as an honorable mention in this award, um, just because this player's been kind of catching my eye the past couple weeks, is Zay Flowers. I want to get see your guys' opinion on him. But he went one for 11 this past week on one target. Um, I'm, not sending my personally not sending alarms on him yet, but I mentioned this when we were doing the rookie redraft. His A dot is uncomfortably low. Last week he went five for nineteen, um, and he's just not getting the target share. I know Joe mentioned this too. There's just they're feeding so many different players there, um, and some of this should be attributed. The ground game has had six, some success over the past couple of weeks, uh, but they're spreading the ball. He's not getting the targets you want. The utilization is. Yeah, it's just not what you want to see out of a wide receiver. So currently, like, if I have him, I'm trying to bench him if I can because it's been hard to really rely on him. But I want to see what you guys think about Zay Flowers. Yeah, I think you got to mention Lamar Jackson there too, who has also had kind of an up-and-down season. You know, he only had 10 fantasy points last week and 13 fantasy points the week before that. He's really had kind of an up-and-down season, and when he's having those down games, obviously Zay Flowers is going to be pretty affected. But... I think, like you said, it seemed like the run game was maybe more of a focal point and went off a little more in week nine. So Lamar and the receivers took a bit of a hit. Honestly, in redraft, I would I would think I would drop him. I think he's a one of those like landmines that you can drop on on, a, on an opposition because if you don't if you don't roster him and you see somebody drop him, you might want to pick him up. And the exactly. reality is that, like you said, they. They pet, they distribute the ball around way too much. Like I can't see any scenario in which he would catch fire over the back half of this season. Maybe he'll prove me wrong and suddenly go out there and put up like four or five touchdowns over the last eight weeks. Like I just I can't see any world in which that happens. He's got one on the season, and Mark Andrews is when they do pass the ball is the most consistent target. So, and and when it's downfield, it, it's. Odell, it's Bateman yeah. randomly. It's, yeah. it's not Zay, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, I mean he's a great player, and I think yeah. he's got a great career ahead of him. But for this year in this particular offense, uh, yeah, I think he's better served playing against you than for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
That'll bring us, again, we're not down on this guy. We still think he'll be good. He's just been a bit of a letdown. But for the guys who are changing our opinions, who are not just letting us down this past week, but we're starting to think they're just going to let you down for, for a long period of time, it's the you're not that guy award. Um, and I'm going to send it over to you, Ryan, because uh, this is something we've kind of mentioned a few times over the past couple of pods. Yeah, so I gave the award to Bryce Young. I think we have to at least talk about him. And I do hate to put a rookie QB here because I really do think it takes time to get used to the NFL and he should improve. But you're not liking what you've seen through nine weeks. In week nine, he threw three interceptions, two of which were returned for a touchdown, which just kills your team. Only threw for 173 yards and one touchdown. He's only tossed multiple touchdowns once in his first seven career starts, and he currently has an eight to seven touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, there's even starting to be a bit of talk about benching him for Andy Dalton, which I would be surprised, but, uh, and they said they're sticking with Young for week 10, but if even his own coaches are starting to assess his value going forward, then we definitely have to assess his value going forward and, you know, we obviously talked about C.J. Stroud earlier, and you're not expecting that from a rookie QB, but you're definitely expecting a little better than what we've seen from Young. Can you imagine trading all that up to get to the first pick and then pick Bryce over C.J. Stroud and seeing what Stroud does? The Panthers yeah. have got to be kicking it's, themselves right well, now. Not, not that it's, it's even like not that you even blame them so so much for the yeah. pick because who really knows at the time? But the 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 regret that you're feeling is yeah, that's it. yeah, it's awful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not like yeah, you did the process, and a lot of people yeah. would have made that same choice. It's just knowing what you could have had and what you gave up is rough. Yeah, I mean. You mentioned the three picks, the two pick sixes last week against a terrible, terrible Colts defense that gave up like 39, 37, 30 something the last three weeks prior going into this week. You were like expecting, especially after the win two weeks ago, you were expecting this to be another step in the positive direction. And those picks were were bad, too. Just telegraphing passes like it wasn't even a wide receiver nearby yeah like (laughs) looking square at receivers the whole way and then just missing them and throwing it right to dps so yeah yeah. it's it's early in his career yeah you don't want to write him off yeah you don't want to write him off uh but seeing what other rookies have been doing and (laughs) record-breaking rookie to compare him against it which will always be compared against it's it's a tough start yeah, that's that regret, like Joe mentioned. You're looking at Stroud, and you're just so upset that, uh, you know, you got two pick sixes instead. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at least he threw for two touchdown passes. <laughs> the team. Uh, so, but I'll jump in because uh, I, I feel like Joey's uh, final guy is gonna, just going to be a shitless guy. So uh, it'll be a good way to close it out. But uh, mine uh, is uh, Tony Pollard. As I mentioned, it's time to get back to the Cowboys. Um so the past game's going great, and that's because we're not they're not running the ball great. And I feel like we might be seeing Lamar Miller 2.0 here. Uh, both players were great complementary backs, with show extreme efficiency on the ground, and the fantasy community was always clamoring, like, get this guy more touches. We just want to see him with a full uh, workload. And then they finally get that for a w- full workload, and the efficiency plummets. And I'm not ready to fully say Pollard is Lamar Miller, but I'm starting to get a little concerned that he might be going that route. Um, he just this past week went 12 for 51 on the ground and had five targets that went three for 12. 
that's just not getting done. Uh, I like, I'm getting real concerned. He isn't scoring touchdowns. His yards per, uh, uh, yards per run is below four this season. And he's currently the RB 21 on the year. And the only thing saving him so far that's gotten him to that RB 21, uh, finish is that he's getting a decent amount of targets. He's about 75 targets so far, right? 75 target pace. But this guy was viewed as a top five running back, uh, going into the year. So if you have him, you're disappointed. And, uh, I did mention the Cowboys schedule is pretty juicy, so there's opportunity for him to bounce back. But personally, I'm viewing him closer to an RB2 than the elite RB1 that many envision going into the season. Yeah, I, I think it's a great pick here, honestly, someone that we also needed to talk about. He he was drafted pretty much as a first-rounder in redraft, and uh, even in a startup dynasty draft, was drafted pretty high on the premise that he was going to take over that workhorse back and, and dominate and it just hasn't happened. And I I think game after game, you're getting more and more concerned here because the bulk of his fantasy points really came in the first three weeks. And since then, you know, seven, six, did have a 14, but then six and seven, four out of his last five games, he's had less than eight fantasy points. So yep. you're definitely concerned if he's your RB1. Literally hasn't scored since week one. And... <laughs> Yeah, like hasn't even like, and and it's a, it's an offense that's putting up points. Too. I was just gonna yeah. say the Cowboys are looking good. Like it's yeah. not like a team thing here. Like there's other yeah. players on the Cowboys that are dominating. They have a pretty good offensive line, and yeah, it's 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 a weird situation. Maybe no, nah, you can't even say that it's it's a, it's health related. I just think that, like you said, it's 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 very Lamar Millerish, where you know, like he's. I think the size is, is potentially an issue. I don't know. I mean, he, he ran for great uh, yards per carry last year when given the opportunity. So five, five, six years, he's been yeah. over like five yards a carry. And yeah. Now he's under four. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's concerning. Um, again, he's, he's still getting a decent amount of workload again targets, but you thought you had a top five back and it's not looking like that. Yeah. But what about his teammate, Joe? Yeah, so as disappointing as Tony Pollard has been for me, um, I'm going to take the opportunity this week to um, tell Michael Gallup that you are officially not that guy. Um, <laughs> I've been done with Michael Gallup. You're not that guy, for, pal. Trust me. You're yeah, not you're, that guy. <laughs> you're definitively not that guy. And, and, you know, like it's just frustrating with Gallup because we've been making excuses for this guy from the beginning. First, it was, well, you know, he's got Amari Cooper in front of him and he's got other mouths to feed in the offense. And then they traded Cooper and they signed him and then he tore his, uh, his ACL. And it, but then it was like, oh, well, last year he's coming back from the eight torn ACL. And usually it takes two years to come back from fine. I mean, I'm, I beat that drum too. But this year, like, if I read his fantasy output by week, like one, one, 12, 8, 2, 3, 3, 2. And these are like total points on an offense that's putting up points on uh, like on an offense that actually is kind of looking for a, a, a number two wide receiver. Like they just literally dragged the corpse of Martavis Bryant out of retirement <laughs> because they're yep. so desperate for another wide receiver. And I think that is like the final nail in Michael Gallup's Often. I mean, he had a bad drop on a third down this week, past week. Bad <laughs> Two weeks, three weeks ago against the Chargers, he only had three receptions on ten targets. Uh, 
you know, I think the, the the length of time making excuses for Michael Gallup is officially ended, and I don't think that he is a good wide receiver. Yeah, you can't be dropping balls like that. I I was hoping he'd be better, but I'm like watching because I have him on the team. I'm just like, come on, finally do something, and it makes me sick every time I watch him. Yeah. <laughs> He's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Sorry, man. But it's a, oh, well. Uh, not that guy. I, I, I agree. He's certainly not that guy. But that concludes our weekly awards. Covered a lot of ground there. But with that, we do want to jump into the league update. And uh, we've been active, boys. We had another trade to talk through. We've had each week. We've had something to talk through. Only one this week. And I was involved in it, finally, in, uh, with Clark Sauce. So uh, I acquired Chris Olave. A 2025 second pick, and I gave up Tyler Lockett, Jerry Judy, who I talked about before, who I don't care for, J.K. Dobbins, a 2024 first and a 2024 second. So obviously I was involved, so I want to hear your guys' view of this trade first. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't view Dobbins as any value. Like if I, I was trying to put dollars and cents on it in U.S. dollars, I would probably value him as much as like a nickel. Uh, it's pretty good. I was, there, I was thinking there, <laughs> There's upside with with Judy, depending on his situation next year, and there's upside with with Tyler Lockett. I mean, you know, like he's he avoids getting hurt. His career is not ending tomorrow. He's on the older side, but he's still productive. So. Uh, and obviously the draft picks are valuable. I think that it was a good buy low-ish on Chris Olave, and I like that you did get a future second back. So, um, yeah, I mean, overall, I think that because you were able to unload uh, J.K. Dobbins' corpse, <laughs> corpse. <Yeah. laughs> and, and Judy, who you don't really like, and get a guy like Olave, uh, even at the cost of a first, uh, I think it's a. Uh, I think it for those reasons, I like it for you. Yeah, pretty similar. Obviously, you guys traded seconds, so not much there. And and Dobbins, same as Joe. As soon as I saw it, I was like, that that's just a, a droppable guy. So I'm not even gonna, <laughs> not even gonna count him in the trade. But you know, really, you gave up uh, a 2024 first and Judy and Lockett. Um, like Joe said. Some upside there with Judy and Lockett, but we talked about it before how we're really not too high on Judy. So uh, a 2024 first for Olave is, is definitely pretty good. If if you have the 2024 first, you're hoping to pick an Olave. So uh, so I like the trade. I get the Clark Sauce side of it. I'm not saying it was a terrible trade on their part. I think they have some upside and they do have that first. Um, and they had just acquired him. So it, it was interesting yeah. to see how quickly he moved teams as well. But uh, they clearly wanted some picks, it seems like. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, uh, I texted Jonas out. I thought this was the uh, the low, most available or most attainable Alave will ever be. Um, and he, he had a decent week this week, not like a blowout week, but like not one that would decrease his value any further. Um and the other thing was I was playing them this week and I knew if I got this win, I would stay in playoff contention. So I, and Judy was on a buy. So I was, effect, I was trying to do this trade with swapping them, giving them Judy and getting Olave. They, they changed it and added Lockett in there. But at the same time, I'm like, I'd rather have the Olave versus the Lockett side. So we switched those players in our lineup and 
I think I won by like 13 points. I think uh, Olave, I, I don't think Olave cleared that alone, but it's again, too, I was like, all right, I like Olave long term, but this could also potentially buy me an extra win going into uh, next week. And now I'm currently sitting atop my division. So uh, that was a little extra reason why I decided to do that trade. I figured it can increase my chances of getting a win that week and uh, paid off. It was risky, but worked out. Yeah. We'll see uh, how the rest of the season goes. I mean, I think, that, well, it'll be hard to, to 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 truly grade this one until we see what where what slot those picks end up in, right? Exactly. Like if, if those if those picks end up in like a top six, um, you think know, I'm I, not making the playoffs. I was gonna awesome. say, <laughs> is that your 2024 first? Yeah, it's mine. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, you know, trading Olave for that. I'm, I'm making the playoffs. Sure. Lowers it, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, you're likely to make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah I know. But, I know. But, Not every, nothing's guaranteed. But yeah, I mean, two losses. If you lose the next two weeks, then suddenly you're. you're... I, I shouldn't lose this week because Schluter's a couple of his top players are also on by this week. So uh, I should hopefully. Oh, he. I mean, he's competitive though, he, and I think he just got Connor back, which. It's not an easy one, but I don't have to play AJ Brown. Basically, that's like the biggest uh, yeah. win right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but if I get this week down, the other benefit is Crope has a really tough matchup because um, he has all Dolphins and Chiefs on his team, yeah. and they're all on by. Uh, so if he loses, I get a two-game lead up on my division um, before I play you, Joe, and then I play my division. So. I have a path that I'm trying to get there, but that's this, that's what you're doing this time of year, guys. You're you're looking ahead on the schedule, looking at your matchups, and you're trying to get any edge you can to try and get into the playoffs. And that's what I'm doing here. Yep. But with that said, we uh we got to get to our high and low. And it, this past week was a pretty low scoring week all over uh, overall. Um, our high score I think was the second lowest high score we've had all year, uh, and that was by the Wilkinson Bros. Uh, we had at 148.8, and the low score, it came close, but not quite. There were two teams initially in the running, but Joey actually came in at the bottom with a score of 70.8, but that was still about seven or eight points more than the weekly low that was still set in week one that we're seeing if anyone can get below. We are running out of time, uh, but I will say I was worried that this was going to be the week because it's I had scary. because I had no active uh, starting quarterbacks on my roster. I just went straight up Scott and, <laughs> and uh, Jamar Chase in my super flex and a and a Matt Stafford on buy in my slot. Like literally, uh, Stafford was on. Uh, no, sorry, Stafford. Stafford was ruled out. Uh, Russ was on buy and. I have three other backup quarterbacks, Trevor Simeon, who quite frankly probably should be playing quarterback for the Jets, and Mike White. And yeah, I mean it's 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 tough sledding out there. Thank God Kyler's back. Yeah. How right, how's that make you feel that Joe didn't start a single quarterback and still didn't <laughs> score below your low? Uh, yeah. Uh we're definitely running out of time here, but uh it was good to see two teams <laughs> yeah. at least get close uh for different reasons. So there's still some hope there that it could happen uh with some bye weeks and whatnot, but it's getting we a little got five weeks left. Five <laughs> weeks left. This this is a big one though, because a lot of the, the good teams, uh, there's a lot of good players on I think where we got the Chiefs, the Dolphins, the Rams, and the Eagles, I believe, are all in by. So there's a lot of good players out this week. But, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Yeah. 
if things break the wrong way for Team Croak Dog, he could put up the the worst score this week. He has a lot of players on by. I was he's looking. Got, he's got the likes of Juju Smith Schuster in his <laughs> in his lineup right yeah. now, which you never want. Yeah, that's why I was looking. That's why I was also trying to win this past week because I was like, ah oh, man, if I get this win and like and miraculously Adam came back and got like a crazy win, which I didn't expect. I have a chance to like take this division if I can. I think win one or two games in the final three game divisional matchups, but yeah, it's getting, it's getting close guys. Gets, but what are other, any key matchups you are watching in our league this week or other playoff matchups? I think in terms of our league, we have the best team and playing the worst team Canellos. So we'll see how that plays out. Canellos has actually been pretty strong lately. He just hasn't been able to, to pull out the actual win. And then we've kind of been talking about it, but otherwise I feel like it's a really huge week for everyone else. A lot Mm -hmm. can change. It's really a close playoff race in terms of most of the league. So a lot of positions changing each week, and this is another big week for everyone. And I'm just also checking uh, when our trade deadline is. I believe it's at the end of week 12, right? So after the last game is played in week 12, that's when the deadline is. So after this week and next week, I think you may start seeing a bunch of more teams selling because the, the writing will be on the wall. So it also, which will drastically change matchups that you think you have right now because teams are either going to get much stronger or much weaker. But with that said, any uh, closing thoughts on what you're looking for in the NFL season coming up? I mean, obviously, Giants are in Caleb Hunt. I uh, got Bear, uh, Bears and Panthers tomorrow night on primetime football and yet another <laughs> Jets primetime game on Monday night. Um, God, it's brutal out there. But anything else you guys are watching? Yeah, no. Rooting for the Panthers to somehow take down the Bears tomorrow. I think that would be in our best interest be nice. as Giants fans. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, interested to see – interested in uh, – if the Bengals can keep it going, you know, like they're, they're definitely trendy right now. I don't know if you guys saw like, uh, Portnoy put pretty big wager on million dollars. Yeah. On them to win the Super Bowl or whatever. It was like something to win a million on them mm-hmm. to win the Super Bowl. And then I think he did like an exact, an exact outcome, Super Bowl outcome of, uh, Cincinnati over Philly, which I actually like that too, because I, I really like Philly to come out of the NFC. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep it going, but it, they, they, they look like they've, they've got their mojo back, which is cool. And I think they got the Texans too. So that'll definitely be an exciting game to watch. Yeah. Nothing for you, Rye. Well, with that being said, as I said, it is again, the final push to get into the playoffs. So good luck to all your matchups that you got this week. And, uh, thanks for listening to the pod guys. Enjoy. Uh, come shopping on, on uh, Joe's roster because there's discounts, discounts, discounts. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. <laughs>